and welcome back to season three of Bo My God. I'm your host, Bo Bradley. My pronouns are he and they. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time today, Bo My God is a unique insight into queer culture, history, and current events centered around the perspective of me, a non-binary trans man. Through the sharing of fact-based information and firsthand vulnerable lived experiences, BMG aims to build community, amplify the voices of others, and ultimately bridge the gap between the cisgender and heterosexual and LGBTQIA plus communities. To recap last episode, and the first thing I want to do before we actually recap the episode is to point out for those that are watching this Zoom banner that's going on here and give a shout out to Nana, our guest from last week's episode, sorry, two weeks ago's episode, to shout out how they taught me how to do this. That was probably the most chewy thing I ever said, but here we go. So to recap last episode, we sat down with one of my dear friends, Anara or Nana, some of you know her. She opened up to us a lot about her experiences as a lesbian, as a woman, as someone who moved to a new country and the intersectionalities of some of those nuances. So we talked about the history of Lesbian Visibility Week. We talked about how it has just recently become a celebration. And we also talked through some of Nana's favorite or least favorite, depending on how you want to look at it, myths and stereotypes about the lesbian and even just the general queer community. And it was extremely insightful and honest and great conversation lasted well longer than we thought it would. But I feel like that happens every time we get together. So thanks again to her. And if you haven't, you should go back and listen to season three, episode three, clawing, biting and climbing through history. So before we move on, With today's episode, let me take this moment to ask you to subscribe, rate us on your favorite podcast platform, follow us on social media at BowMyGodPod on YouTube. And this podcast is all about education, community, visibility. So we really need your help to continue to share this platform. So our first segment, okay, I hope this isn't a whole demeanor change, but I would be remiss as a source of information for in not just information, but visibility and representation for the LGBTQIA plus community. If I didn't mention what's going on currently with the whole Supreme Court and Roe versus Wade conversation. And for those who are unfamiliar, last week, Politico reported that a leaked initial draft Supreme Court majority opinion that was written by Justice Samuel Alito shows that the Supreme Court of the United States, for those who are from another country, has voted to overturn Roe versus Wade. This is again, a leaked initial draft Supreme Court majority opinion. What is Roe versus Wade? It is the name of a 1973 lawsuit that took place in Texas that ultimately established the constitutionality and the federal right in our country to abortion. So this leaked draft opinion alleges that Roe v. Wade has no validity and should have never been passed to begin with. And I feel I need to touch on this for several reasons, and none of them are probably what you think. So I'm not going to dig into the implications this has for all menstruators and women's rights across this country and other countries as well, because I think that the media and the activists and rights groups are are getting their message out about that. But I really want to talk about two things. So one. While the publicity, public backlash, and support for women has been beautiful, it's it's still very much a reality that a lot of these conversations are not inclusive. 
of all of those who are affected by the realities of potential overturning of this landmark court ruling. And I'm talking about anyone with a uterus. And there, there may be so many intersex, agender, non-binary, transmasculine, gender fluid, gender non-conforming folks more. There's so many identities that are being left out of these statistics. They're being left out of the influence. They're being left out of the resources. They're being left out of the conversation at large. And I would like this conversation to serve as a reminder that this is the case. Just this week, I got into a situation online, which let's be honest, I'm not a keyboard warrior. I say my piece, I say however it needs to be said, and I just kind of move on. But I'm not the person to like sit in chat rooms or in the comments section and kind of jump off on people. But I merely mentioned on a post the Seattle Times published on Instagram last week, this week, earlier this week, and I should have known better. But still, this makes me sad, so I'm going to share it with you. So this post was sharing some t- some statistics about the distribution of publicly funded abortion clinics throughout the state of Washington and comparing it to the distribution of female residents of reproductive age in Washington. Now, if you can see my face, that is such a terrible basic correlation. Not only is this post comparison assuming that all women who are of reproductive age in Washington menstruate and are in the potential demographic for a supposed abortion, but you are also disincluding all of the folks who have the potential for this social services need that are not being represented. And that's where I struggle. We could easily find a statistic to show that some sort of representation, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be all inclusive, but some sort of acknowledgement or representation, but instead the marginalized communities aren't mentioned. Surprise, surprise. But while this is a narrative that's not new in America or American media, it is still just sad, especially here in Seattle, in a progressive city, a hub of queer community in the U.S., where we we can't even on a, a basic news source, the Seattle Times, right? We can't have inclusive or accurate representation in our news reporting. Like, I, I get where they were going with this, but this is like a draft, they, sh- they should have fine-tuned. And anyway, so my the comment I left to them acknowledging was just kind of like acknowledging that it would be nice to see a more accurate statistic reported, especially essentially what I just told you all, but in a nicer, like one sentence way. And not the Seattle Times, but other people started coming at me. The amount of people that tried to gaslight or minimize me or tell me that I'm spreading lies or disinformation. Oh, I hate it. It's just like, there's, they're, if we're still fighting on every little thing we haven't experienced firsthand individually as a human in our society, we have a long way to go. And that terrifies me. But anyways, um, just the fact that so many people were just so hell-bent on fighting me. And I think I did a very tactful job of, maybe I'll share my response. Maybe I won't. I don't know. We'll see. Let me know if you want to see these and I'll share them with you if asked. If not, we'll let it hide in infamy. Anyways, so I responded essentially no reaction, no emotion, just very straightforward. I appreciate what you're saying, but blah, 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 essentially. And the response back was just so like, like just, just someone attacking, not someone 
learning or listening or conversing. And at the end, I just ended up being like, okay, here are six sources where you can go start your information journey and I'll leave it up to you. So anyways, point number one in this conversation (laughs) is that the conversation about Roe v. Wade and the conversation about the Supreme Court's leaked majority opinion is that it needs to be more inclusive. Our whole conversation needs to be more inclusive. And number two is that, as some of you might as well know, the situation sets a dangerous precedent for the potential for other court rulings that rely on the validity of Roe v. Wade to fall as well which is even scarier to consider that this move may be this move may be a strategic play in a game of dominoes that could be the beginning of the removal of the limited rights marginalized people in our country have at this point including women if we're being honest and and I can't even bear to think about it I started watching the handmaid's tale earlier this year and I had to stop because it's just I can't it's too it feels like it could happen and it's it's so good but it's mortifying anyways some of the things that roe v way provided were the control of self or in other words the ability for all people not just men all people to have autonomy over their own body and that they all have individually the right to that privacy of themselves and their decisions where the government cannot interfere, which is not explicitly laid out in the Constitution, specifically for the LGBTQIA plus community. Roe v. Wade's personal privacy rights lead to other landmark decisions like Lawrence v. Texas in 2003, which declared that the state laws could not determine or regulate consensual act, consensual sexual acts as they had prior. An example of this is sodomy laws. Another huge decision in the queer community that affects us all is Obdurfell versus Hodges in 2015, aka known as the lawsuit that ended in the federal legalization of same-sex marriage. So if, and unfortunately it sounds like potentially when Roe v. Wade is overturned by the Supreme Court, if their ruling is because they genuinely believe that there is no legal right or precedence to the lawsuit, then then that knocks the legs out of all of these other historic basic human rights lawsuits and protections in cases under federal law. And it's scary. It's really scary. And I'm not going to say much more about it because I think that's about all the negativity we can take for today. And we're going to move on to segment two. So moving on, <laughs> we're going to move on with the queer alphabet. Uh, continuing on with our favorite acronym, I've said it 15 times already today, but if you need it again, LGBTQIA+, on the queer alphabet. And for those who are unfamiliar, the queer alphabet is a spinoff of my social media education campaign from 2020 with the same title. This series aims to break down queer terms and concepts in a way that all people can listen and understand. And at this point, in season three, we've talked about and learned how L is for lesbian and G is for gay. Today, we're going to move into B is for bisexual. So bisexuality is a sexuality, not a gender. I know we've discussed the differences between the two before, so just clarifying. And to be bisexual means that you are sexually and or romantically attracted, not exclusively to people of the opposite sex or gender. Other definitions include that you're attracted to people of multiple sexes and or gender identities. We're going to, of course, 
in this case, be talking about the most current definition and the most inclusive term form of this term, which is sometimes referred to as bi plus. And that includes bisexual, pansexual, fluid, queer folks, folks with no label that fit into this community. And again, they're the bisexual plus community. So that's kind of who we're going to be talking about when we discuss this today. And unlike other sexualities, such as being heterosexual or homosexual, there's there's like even less information available about the history of bisexuality, not only because of bi erasure, but because even, well, and because in today's society, people still theorize that bisexuality or pansexuality doesn't exist. It does. That's not what we're debating. Anyway, it, it has for a long time, dating back in history, there's all of these writings or examples or theories or understandings of homosexuality versus heterosexuality. We have the Kinsey scale, which we'll talk about at some point. Look it up if you don't know what it is. And uh, we have these things where things are just so binary, right? So statically one or the other, black and white versus bisexuality and pansexuality, which kind of encapsulate that gray area in between where your sexuality isn't so black or white. It's in the middle. And so the first known usage of the word bisexual was in 1793 used to theoretically biologically categorize things that possessed characters of both sexes at the time perceived male and female and especially when it comes to reproductive structures so for example this term bisexual in 1793 was used to essentially in the place of the term intersex now and so Back in the 1700s, bisexual essentially meant intersex for the lack of better terminology. And it's super confusing and inaccurate, like with many other words that started as or were utilized as slurs. And the idea of bisexuality is having this attraction for more than one gender or sexuality is seen. And it's seen commonplace throughout history in places like ancient Greece or even in China and the Han Dynasty. And we're not going to go back that far today because I just want to kind of talk about modern history and really just kind of start in the early 1900s. And some, an interesting thing I really, I, an interesting thing I learned that I thought was kind of funny, seeing how many different things seem to be playing out in the 2020s related to the 1920s. But anyways, Some historians refer to the 1920s as an era of social experimentation, even more so there's a phrase that gets floated around, and I'm going to quote this, bisexual chic. And so this was a reference to the idea of women wanting to explore their sexuality with other women. And that was the, that's all that it looked at at that time. And it's probably because in that time period, the unknown public displays of bisexuality were in the works of Virginia Woolf. And uh, apparently a reportedly offensive film, I haven't seen it, a Florida enchantment, not saying that that might be the best place to go look, but definitely uh, look up Virginia Woolf and or poet Edna St. Vincent Millay and also singers Bessie Smith and Ma Rainey as well. And so then in the 1940s, biologist and sexologist Alfred Kinsey might recognize that from the Kinsey scale 
introduced the idea of having more than one sexual identity, aka the idea that more than just heterosexuality and homosexuality exists. And so this at the time was seen as academically groundbreaking work in America, and it explored the diverse sexual practices in men. And he published his research in a 1948 book called Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, which included real-life examples of non-heteronormative practices and relationships across the United States. And so this was in the 1940s. This was the first kind of manifesto, isn't the right word, but first collection of its of its kind. And I just, I think that's really cool. And I just thought you should know about it. <laughs> so the sexual revolution of the 1960s is really what a lot of theorists credit it the increased social activism and cultural impact of bi plus exposure. Thanks to bi activists such as Stephen Donaldson and Brenda Howard, bi people were also at Stonewall, potentially at the Compton Cafeteria riots. There are just bi folks everywhere, y'all. And jumping ahead to 1990, September 23rd was coined Bisexual Pride Day, thanks to the North American Bisexual Network and the visibility resulting from those advocacy efforts we discussed already and through the 1970s and 80s. So TV shows and books started to have more openly bi characters in this era, including CK in the show LA Law and Nancy Bartlett in the show Roseanne. And in 1998, the bisexual pride flag was designed by Michael Page. So every year, Bisexual Awareness Week culminates on September 23rd that we just talked about, Bisexual Pride Day. So it goes from September 16th to the 23rd annually, hosted by GLAAD, the Bisexual Resource Center, and Still Bisexual. This week sets to accelerate acceptance of the Bi Plus community by showcasing the experiences and resilience of the community. Some out and proud celebrities that you might know who are bisexual include Aaron Carter, Alanis Morissette, Aubrey Plaza, Azalea Banks, Cardi B, Carol Baskin, if you can believe it, David Bowie, Frank Ocean, and Lady Gaga. There's there's a much more inclusive list with sources, quotes, et cetera, about this on buy.org. But I'm sure you also know some more yourself because that would be really good to look up. I wonder if I can do it on the spot. How many people know someone who is bisexual? Yeah, I'm not finding it. I am finding from the human rights campaign, however. Let me make sure I'm right before I say it. According to the Williams Institute and the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, studies suggest that about 50% of people who identify as either gay, lesbian, or bisexual identify as bisexual. So that's a really weird way to phrase that of the LGBTQIA plus community, about 50% of folks who identify in that community identify as bisexual. Okay. Anyways, there, there's so much more we could go over, but since I don't have a guest this week and this episode started off really heavy, I don't want to just keep talking your ears off. So this brings us to our last segment for today, which we will be highlighting a couple of upcoming events and opportunities in the Seattle area. And the first thing I'd really like to highlight is Pillars of Pride, honoring our LGBTQIA plus elders. This event is occurring on May 15th, this coming weekend, here in a few days from 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Century Ballroom in Seattle. This is being held by Gen Pride. It's their first annual event. It's time to coincide with the 2022 National Honor Art LGBTQ Elders Day. 
Gem Pride is a local Seattle nonprofit who you'll be hearing from in the next couple of episodes on BMG, and I'm very excited for that. So this event will honor seniors from the community who are nominated and selected, and the Supertonics will be performing, who are an ensemble of the Seattle Men's and Seattle Women's Choruses, and you can find out more about this event at HTTPS, JK, at genprideseattle.org slash POP. And then, of course, we'll be chatting about it later this season as well. So the other thing I wanted to let you all in all in on prior to Pride, and we'll we'll talk about Pride season coming up probably in the next episode or two, but prior to Pride, if you are someone who lives in or around the Seattle area or wants to elope in and around the Seattle area, you're looking, like I said, to elope or get married, Cheer Seattle is offering for the first time this year on June 25th. Four slots from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. to participate in a PNW elopement package. This is a waterfront elopement package that includes an experienced event planner, a day of coordinator, private beach access, two hours of photography, personal florals for the couple, up to 10 guests, a six-inch cutting cake, sparkling wine, an officiant, your choice of ceremony music, and a customized digital invitation. If this is something you're interested in, reach out to hnishimoto at cheerseattle.org. And I'm going to spell that for you. So get out your pen, H-N-I-S-H-I-M-O-T-O at cheerseattle.org. You can even request that I be your officiant if you're interested in doing it that day. I will be there helping out. So if you live in or around the Seattle area and you're looking for a beautiful and easy engagement this June, here's your chance. And that brings us to today's affirmation. So as you know, we'll be ending every show with an affirmation because we as queer folks and humans in general do not give ourselves the chance to feel our full potential, feel empowered and or feel like we're quite enough. And you are, and I'm here to remind you of that. So today I took a stab at writing our affirmation, which is my goal for the future to write all of them. And I think it's pretty okay. Just kidding. I think it's good. And so let me know what you think. And I'm excited to share it with you. So an affirmation for queers from a queer for everyone, really. So repeat after me. I deserve to take up space. I am present. I am focused. I am ready for what comes next. All right, we're going to do this one more time. You know how this goes by now. I deserve to take up space. I am present. I am focused. I am ready for what comes next. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode of Oh My God. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and follow along for more of your favorite queer and trans content. We are on most social media platforms at Oh My God Pod. Check us out at www.bowmygod.com, where you can find out more and purchase some BMG swag like stickers, hats, shirts. There are some cool things on there if I do say so myself. So as we leave this episode, I want to remind you to find out how you can support the rights of people with uteruses, especially in your local area. And 
check your gendered language when you can and believe in yourself. So thanks. Love you all. And we'll catch you next time. Oh.